0: So the father's heart in the story of Jonah. Heard a story once about a monk and as monks generally are he was a monk that had devoted his life to prayer. In his monastic cell he would give much time every day to prayer. And deep down in that monk's yearning and in his prayers he had this yearning to actually see Jesus face to face. As some people have testified over time that Jesus has appeared to them. And this monk wanted to have that experience of, of meeting Jesus face to face while he was still alive. And he prayed earnestly for that. And then one day, as he was at prayer, he became aware of Jesus' presence in his room and he opened his eyes and was totally overcome on his knees he was in worship of Jesus through his head were going thousands of questions I want to ask him this, I want to ask him that, I want to ask him this all these things buzzing around his head but he was in awe when suddenly ding 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 goes the bell of the monastery. Ding, 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 ding. Rings the bell again. And the monk knew that that was the signal that the beggar who came every day to the doors of the monastery to get bread was standing at the door. And the monk was thinking, oh, no, I'm on duty. I need to go and see to the beggar and give him bread. But Jesus is here, and I want to stay and just lap up his presence. And so he found himself in a quandary, stay or go. And reluctantly, he got up off of his knees, went to the door of the monastery with the bread that had been prepared, gave the bread to the monk and wished him well, sent him on his way. And he trudged back to his cell thinking, oh, I've missed him. I've missed him. That that I've been praying for and yearning for all this time and it's been interrupted, oh. But to his surprise, as he walks back into the cell of his his room, that they call a cell, which I think is great, He sees that Jesus is still there. And Jesus simply says to him, If you had not gone, I would not have stayed. Fabulous little image. We'll come back to that in the course of this morning, but just hold that picture in your head. See, in chapter 4 of Jonah, we have a real contrast between God's heart of compassion and Jonah's hardness of heart. And I want us just to explore those two contrasting things for a few moments before we look and learn and see what we can learn from this last chapter of Jonah. See, Jonah was a prophet used by God. We heard right back at the beginning of this series that he was actually quite a successful prophet, that he'd won the favour of the king in the the fact that he'd given prophecies that had favoured and benefited the land. And throughout this story, there has been an incredible journey for Jonah the prophet. We've seen him run away, find himself sinking to the bottom of the sea, in the belly of a fish, coming to repentance, saying, "Okay, Lord, I will do what you say. Salvation comes from the Lord. So there was repentance in the midst of his journey. But deep down, like that poem I read said, his heart said, the Ninevites don't deserve forgiveness and here in chapter 4 his heart comes out and actually it almost seems to undermine his earlier repentance because he goes back to that and you see in verse 2 he starts recounting and trying to explain away his sin and say I knew you would do this God that's why I did what I did Does that ring any bells with us? When we forgive something or we repent of something and then something else triggers us to go back and start justifying what we've done, what we've said. kind of blows his his, his earlier repentance apart. And he becomes totally self-absorbed twice, he says in those few verses, it's better for me to die than to live. He's completely gone in on himself. He's become completely concerned with his own situation. And in spite of God speaking to him, saying, have you any right it's almost as if Jonah's got his fingers in his ear saying, la, 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 I can't hear you, la, 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 la. It's almost childish. He doesn't want to hear. He cuts himself off from the God who has saved him miraculously. The God who has used him powerfully. And he wants to cut himself off. And the curious incident In verses 5 till 8, where God provides a vine. And then do you notice God also provides a worm? And He provides an east wind. And in those miraculous things that are going on there, God shows Jonah his compassion. Says, Look, I see that you are hot and uncomfortable. But even that doesn't change Jonah's heart. Because as the vine withers and the east wind blows, Jonah's still not going back to God, the giver of that gift. He's fixated on the gift and the fact that he's lost it. Jonah is is caught up in his own stuff. And it's good that we recognise God's goodness and God's gift and we celebrate God's gifts, but here Jonah has got confused and he sees the gift as more important than the giver of the gift. And he's in a mess. God, on the other hand, Throughout this story, shows incredible, miraculous care for Jonah. But actually, if you look at the story, it's not just about care for Jonah. But it's about care for all the people of Nineveh. And I guess that all the people of Nineveh really illustrates a care for all humankind. You see God cares for every single one of us and every single person in this village in this county in this country in this world he cares he loves every one doesn't mean that everyone will turn to Jesus and be saved from the result of their sin But that doesn't take God's care for everyone away. We see throughout this story God as compassionate slow to anger as Jonah points out. We've seen it in chapter 3 as he relents as the people turn from their sins. God doesn't just passively want people to turn to him and that's shown decisively in Jesus. God takes the initiative to come to the earth, to come to save us from our sins and so God isn't just disinterested, his compassion isn't an onlooking kind of Benevolence, but it's an active desire to save. And he's active here in seeking the lost. Seeking the lost, whether they have some relationship with him, like Jonah does, or seeking the lost, like the Ninevites, who clearly at the beginning of the story have no relationship, no regard for God, and yet they turn. So God is shown as compassionate throughout the story. But that does not mean that anything goes. That we can just justify our actions before God and say, well, God understands. God's compassionate because God cannot tolerate sin. So everything does not go. And while we are sin-tainted... We cannot approach the Holy God on our own, in our own strength. We cannot approach the Holy God who is compassionate and loving, slow to anger. We need to repent. We need to turn away from our sin and towards God. We need to leave behind that which is sinful and turn our faces and our hearts and our lives in the direction of God. It's interesting that in this story, the king seems to see this better than Jonah. The king of Nineveh steps down from his throne, throws off all his finery, puts on sackcloth and is on his knees, active in seeking God, whilst Jonah is sitting outside in a huff saying, I'd rather die. Do you know, I think Jonah's responses can so easily reflect ours and eclipse the Father's heart of compassion. For us and for others. See, I think so easily we can think of God as a kind of a resource to help us to get through our day, to help us to know a certain security. Those are fine, those are good things, but we can just rely on God almost as our own personal assistant to get through life. To help us get our family through life and that we'd be kind of healthy, kind of happy, kind of all right. And in so doing, become quite self absorbed and not want to have anything to do with those people that are not like us. That's not God's heart. We must resist treating God as a resource to make us feel good, to bolster our sense of piety and recognise him as the creator of the universe, holy and almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful and yet full of grace and compassion. He wants us to share his heart of compassion. And I think Malcolm's not here, but the Latin root of that word compassion actually means suffering with. Passio means to suffer, com is with. And so for us to share God's heart of compassion means that actually we stand with people. We feel what they feel. We feel what God feels for them. And we ask God's help to have his heart for other people. Now to do this, that's kind of hard. And actually it's impossible for us to do it in our own strength. But thank God we have scripture which helps us to to teach us and guide us. And thank God he sent his Holy Spirit that he would enable us and empower us. As we seek him to become more like him. But I wonder if it would help us to, to have compassion for the lost if we just think for a moment about three things about our human condition without God three things that scripture tells us about our human condition without God those three things are this first that we are blind secondly that we are bound and thirdly that we are buried We are blinded by the God of this world to our sin. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about that. That actually, if we do not know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we are blinded to our sin. Don't even recognise it. And maybe you've seen situations where that's the case, where you just, you, you, you see somebody's reaction and they don't, don't recognise what you recognise or maybe this morning you're sitting there and thinking I don't know what he's banging on about because maybe God has not taken the scales from your eyes your spiritual eyes to see the weight of sin that holds us back See, someone that is blind doesn't choose not to see, do they? They can't see, period. And so somebody that is spiritually blind doesn't choose not to see the truth of the gospel, but they're spiritually blind. And we need to pray where we know, folk, that are spiritually blind, that the scales would fall from their eyes and that they would see the light of Christ in their lives. But that can help us to understand somebody that is blind isn't necessarily just being obtuse. In fact, they're not being difficult. They just don't see it. And we need to pray. Second thing that the Bible tells us about our human condition, John 8.34 says that those who sin are slaves to sin. So not only are are we blind when we are sinners, but we are bound by our sin. As a slave is in bondage to their master so a sinner is in bondage to sin. And we on our own do not have the power to stop sinning. We on our own do not have the power to to turn away from that which lures and, and, and appeals to us. But only through God's help, through the forgiveness of Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, do we have the opportunity to turn from our sin. And to become more Christ like. But those who are blind to their sin are also slaves to their sin and have no idea that they are slaves to their sin. And the third thing that the Bible says about our human condition is that we are dead in our sins. So not only are we blind and bound, but we are buried. Because of our sins. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us Alive in Christ. Hallelujah. When we come to Christ, we are made alive. We are raised to life. That we might live for God, who made us and wants us to follow him. And so, in sin, we are blind, we are bound, and we are buried. That's pretty helpless. But Christ, who died for us, brings us sight, brings us freedom, brings us life as a gift that is totally undeserved freely given that which we call grace and that's the hope of life in Christ that's the hope that that Jonah if he had held on to his hope in God and would have had a heart for God would have seen that he could have stood with the Ninevites and celebrated with them rather than vilifying them and wishing that they weren't there. All too often we can sit on the outside when we need to ask for God's heart of compassion and let God use us, even when it's messy, even when it's uncomfortable, to take a step out of our comfort into what God would have us do. A little bit like that situation with the monk, where he could have stayed cosy in that moment of glory with Jesus. But actually, because of his encounter with Jesus, he went and he came back and Jesus recognised that. Let me just read a little bit from this book on Jonah by a guy called Colin Smith God's heart of compassion means sharing a common passion with God it means caring about lost people as God does getting involved in his mission in the world why don't you begin By reflecting on the unique value of every person you meet in the supermarket queue, in traffic, in the office, in your street. Begin by reflecting on the unique value of every person you meet. And by remembering the blindness, slavery, and death that plague the human condition. But don't stop with these convictions, and the feelings of compassion will flow from them. Move into action, get engaged in ministry. Start praying for lost people. Be like the king in the story, not like Jonah. Choose the company of those who are working rather than the comfort of those who are watching. And you will grow in compassion. And it will become evident that you are pursuing a God-centred life. God's heart of compassion May we see from Jonah's mistakes how we may have compassion on others, how we may pray for the lost and understand what holds people back from seeing Jesus and pray and ask God's help to be more loving, recognising who we are in Christ.